0: Tonight on Whiskey Waffle it's the one with the horse on the top, people. It's the one with the horse on the top. We caused the Kanato cask.
1: Counter Reeves basically is me. It doesn't finish right. doesn't... I don't think it starts right. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Good evening, Teddy boy. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, Nicholas. It is great to be back in the chair. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I see you shuffling around, getting yourself comfortable over there. Are you comfortable?
0: I am indeed. My bottom is most
1: uh, firmly comforted within this very cushiony chair. Yes, that is always my aim, Ted, to provide your bottom with lots of comfort. Uh, And on that note, welcome along to Whiskey Waffle, episode number 50, God, something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We are, lost track by now.
0: We, we lost track, but also we we discovered a, a an issue with naming uh, numbering episodes because we had the uh, elusive. Um, well, it's not exactly lost. It just got <laughs> <laughs> it's lost for you guys. Yeah, lost for you guys because <laughs> we got a bit. Pissed on it, um, and we had to uh, scrap it.
1: Yes, yeah, fifty six B or something we <laughs> yeah. can call it. But yes, um, so whatever episode this will be, will be in the title. You know, there's yeah. a few completists out there that need to know which episode they're listening to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've um, we've done we've done fifty odd now, which is remarkable that we're still alive. Happy Easter, Yeah, yeah. Well, that too. I trust you've uh, Easter vale. Yeah, had some had some chocolate in the last mm. few days. Anything to pair with some whiskey?
0: No, I don't. <sighs> I I feel like that you need probably relatively dark chocolate to go with whiskey. Hmm. I haven't
1: yeah, really yeah. had access to that. I moment. had a um I had a chocolate stout, which I know is not mm. whiskey, but is at least some sort of Easter themed drink.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Remember that time that we did that um that well we we've actually done a chocolate and whiskey pairing before. But we did those uh, chocolate liqueurs. Oh, the bonbon things. Yeah, yeah. chocolate whiskey uh, bonbons. I think, yeah, I think that were... made
1: a Christmas special back in the day. So you guys might have listened to
0: it. It was um, it was Diageo's uh, collection. So mm. things like, are you like a in your ovens? And yeah. So that was a Christmas one.
1: Why haven't they done an Easter one?
0: Yeah, like it's eggs with lots of whiskey eggs, in it.
1: Whiskey eggs. Yeah, they sound about as breakable as regular <laughs> yeah. eggs, don't they? Time, time to uh, get a trademark out, buddy. Mm, yeah, yeah, we can make it happen. You just need really thick chocolate walls to make sure. There's some. Yeah, but that's the problem that the liquid inside is not whiskey. It's a whiskey liqueur because yeah, just yeah. having a whiskey inside of chocolate would very quickly eat away at the chocolate and leak all over the foil.
0: Mm, that um, that Diageo pack ranged from merely. A bit shit yeah. to spectacularly Absolutely
1: rubbish. Yeah, rubbish. So, yeah, yeah. No, this is it.
0: Maybe we should convince
1: Ambers to uh, do a um, Tasmanian version. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, one of the more expensive Tasmanian chocolates <laughs> with one of the more expensive brands of whiskey around the world. They can provide them to us to, to uh, promote them for them. Yeah, we'll try it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll help them We're with the their R and obvious choice for promoting that product. Nice. Well, um, speaking of Tasmanian products and promotions, um, we're kind of leaning into the Tassie theme again this episode, at least for the, at least for the waffle. Um, Def-
0: definitely not for the
1: review. No, the review is is very far away from Tasmania. So we do like to mix it up here on Whiskey Waffle. But um, we've actually got two warm up drams in our glass.
0: <laughs> yeah, just limbering up, getting those muscles loosened up. Indeed. I went to the gym this morning, so I'm, I'm sort of starting to stiffen. Hey, hey, hey. So I need to, yeah, get my arm nicely loosened out again. I like it! Ready yeah.
1: to do some reps on the glasses. When you, when you come to and uh, drink whiskey with me, Ted, you start to stiffen as well.
0: Have a good time, good time!
1: Yeah, <laughs> every time. <laughs> i like to see you there at the gym pumping some iron with a dram next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Oh, I can, I can replicate it here with my glass. Mm. Or just oh, sitting on the yeah. exercise bike there, just with a dram in one hand. <laughs> Sounds like my sort of exercise, really. Um, so what is the distillery we're covering? It's a fairly famous one. Uh, number one, the Lark. Lark. Okay, that joke nearly works, but um, yes, um, uh, for all you Monty Python fans out there, um, we're we're looking at Lark this episode, which is. One of the most famous whiskies from Australia, but also one of the most controversial.
0: Yeah, and a, and a distillery that we've never covered before. <laughs> we've never talked about any sort of yes. uh, goings
1: on from this distillery. Yeah, uh, no, but, no. Mm, they have, they have got some uh, news, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But we've actually warming up with two of their blends because yeah. they're allowed to do blends now because they're the house of Lark. And actually, and no did- one gets annoyed by that at all.
0: Yeah, nor, nor did we uh, ever uh,
1: interview the uh, founder of lark oh yes uh, check out episode 50 this is some good promotion about that catalog here ted that's good so talking about glenfiddich episode one just make sure you go back and listen actually probably don't yeah Yeah, that's that's going back in time a bit yeah yeah um so we've got two of their blends that have created one of them is called the symphony number one which i find really interesting because it used to be like the word lark plastered across the title in big letters underneath. Symphony number one. Whereas these days, hold on, know, let me get
0: my binoculars out.
1: Yeah, these <laughs> days the symphony number one is in big letters, but you have to get Ted's binoculars, um, his little um, telescope out to try and find the word lark, which is on there. It says House of Lark, but Symphony number one is the way it's promoted, and I think that is because partly because of you guys out there, the ones that uh, got all angry when they started calling this lark, because of course it's not just lark. No, no. No, there not. is um there is a chunk of nant in here, and there's also a bit of over him as well. I actually, um, I have a, not a not any sort of love for this whiskey, but I actually have a sort of respect for it, because um, one of the things I do is I, I manage a bar, and this is my choice of Lark Whiskey for the Bar, because it is the, the cheapest Lark I can buy, and actually, weirdly enough, even though I have Launceston, I have Belgrove, I have Hobart, and I have Overeem, the lark is still the one that the people like the most because I think it's the most boring.
0: Ah, uh, and, and what do they like to order with it, Nicholas? Uh Well, yeah,
1: often, often cola, sometimes just, just on the rocks. And, and how do you manage that situation? Um, I say, yes, here is your whiskey and put the glass out. And then I get the bottle of cola and I say, here is your cola. What happens next is your choice.
0: I think that's a fair way to do it. Mm. The blood's not on your hands. Then.
1: Exactly, yeah. Thoughts on, the, thoughts on the Symphony, Ted, if you have any? Diet lark. <laughs> Diet Lark. Yeah, that's probably probably sums it up. So in the other glass, we have another blend. Not really House of Lark. It's Whiskey Club. But it comes in a Lark bottle. I think there's a lot of Lark influence on this. The DNA is definitely there. There's
0: no mistaking that these are siblings. Mm. But what about the whiskey itself, Ted? The Symphony Number no. 1 is Diet Lark. Mm-hmm. The Rising Tide is Lark Cherry.
1: <laughs> okay, right. Or, uh, or vanilla. vanilla Lark. Yeah. <laughs> So there is a reason that we're talking about Lark at the start of this episode because we're going to go on to talk about their next big move in the Tasmanian industry. But um I think we should save that discussion for the waffle, but it'll flow very nicely. So let's uh let's kick things on. The Waffle. Lark Distillery. Um just in case there's anyone out there, Ted, that has not heard of Lark Distillery, give me a quick rundown about Lark in 20 seconds. Go. Tasmanian whiskey industry, 1800s, dies. Tasmanian whiskey industry,
0: 1990s. Bill Lark decides whiskey good, goes on boat in lake, likes it, writes to politician, restarts Tasmanian whiskey industry. Um, Lark makes whiskey go boom. <laughs> twenty seconds.
1: Good. Yep. Yep. And of course, over time, that has changed a lot. Bill no longer owns it. Um, it's owned by a company which is now known as Lark Distilling. And um, yeah, the House of Lark. The is House name, coll- of Lark. Colloquially known, and they've, they've that, that, that's a bit. that
0: um, HBO series, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. In the previous series, the um, Amber Wedding. That was a <laughs> particularly uh,
1: famous episode. Yeah, but everyone forgot what happened at it. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, woke, up woke up with killer that. headaches. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Lark have been doing some interesting things recently. We chatted about um, some blends in our intro, but now we're on to the pure stuff.
0: Just Lark like regular. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> that's, our, that's our starting point. But you see, the thing is, Ted, there are now four Lark regulars. Which, when you uh, opened that box up the other night and pulled them out... All right! <sighs> ...caught me off guard. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. So, uh, I know, I know. And after I finished doing that, I brought some whiskey into... Yeah. <laughs> No, so there are now four Lark whiskies in what they're calling their signature range. And that is what we're talking about on our episode today, their new signature range. And I've got a miniature bottle of all four of their whiskies to talk about, uh, discuss, say which are good, which are bad, um, discuss why they are that, and also how much they cost. But. We're going to start with the most famous of all. And this is one that Ted and I have been drinking. Maybe not in this exact format, but we've been trying something called Lark Classic Cask since we were Lark converts way back in like 2013. Mm. Just 10 years. We've been drinking Lark for 10 years, Ted. 10 freaking years. That's incredible. Mm.
0: Yeah, since, since we were just little normal baby whiskey drinkers. Mm. taking our first steps away from the uh, mixes,
1: yep. coming into the good stuff. And I tell you what, after trying those couple of blends, which were, you know, uh, variations on Lark, this does represent the DNA of Lark, mm. I think.
0: I think it's changed a little bit since back in the day. Oh, like,
1: yeah, and it's changed a lot in the last 10 years, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, it's just that orange is, is still there, mm. which is the key. I think it it's proper Lark on the nose. Maybe it's changed a bit on the palate. Mm. I think the nose possibly doesn't
0: have quite as much softness as it used to have, Mm -hmm. but you're right. The oranges is still there. Oranges for us is a key tasting note for
1: Lark. Yeah. Not just any old citrus. It has to be these fresh, juicy oranges. Mm. Mm. Well, I think it's time that we looked at some of the others in this range because the next one with a bright orange label is called Lark Rebellion. Rebellion.
0: Rebellion, you know, So rebellion makes me think of rum for some reason. Because of pirates? Yeah, it just it just feels like a rum sort of thing. And I know I know that Lark has produced a rum before. They're quite canon rum. So is this a rum-barrelled expression of Lark? Negative. Oh, right. Okay. Finished in hand, seasoned
1: with bittersweet a citrus. So what what is Canotto? Canotto is like you'd think that the, it would be the previous cask type, but I'm not sure that is the case because Canotto is not a type of wine. It's not an alcohol at all. It's a soft drink. Oh. It's, it, and it's a flavoring of that. I mean, it is a bitter orange flavor. Um, like we'd think almost like an agram sort of um, soft drink in, in Australia, but Canotto yeah, is, right. is different to that. And all that Lark have to say that is, Highland Pete married with bittersweet citrus cola, good. Which is yeah, which is really fascinating. Hang on, H- lark whiskey casks were liberally seasoned with their own handcrafted Coal Valley Canotto, so they've made their own version of Canotto. Right. Yeah, they've stuck some of their their orange um flavored uh, drink in these barrels, and then they've stuck their whiskey in it to finish.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, so yeah, they've they've called it Canottos because it sounds fancy and uh. Yeah, whether or not it is, I suppose we're about to find out.
0: Well, Lark
1: Lark isn't immune
0: to doing odd things with their casks. We've had that... uh, Their their Christmas release is a classic example. (laughs) of
1: A Lark classic example Uh of that. I feel like Christmas releases get a free pass because it's Mm. Christmas. Whereas this is just a bit weird. This is core range now. All right, Teddy Boy, what are your initial thoughts?
0: Well, I know we talk about citrus with Lark, specifically oranges, Mm. But, yeah, this is this is uh, going to a whole new level
1: on the citrus front. This is off-the-show citrus, isn't it? Mm. This is... um, It's complexly citrusy. Yeah. Um. Okay, you mentioned the Christmas cask before. Mm. I think they're using the same rules. The only thing on the nose that I can compare this to in any way is the Starwood Ginger Beer Cask. Mm.
0: Yeah, true. Dif- different... Different, um, different flavour, but... Different botanical, but...
1: Yeah, pushing it in that direction.
0: Yeah. There is a certain spiciness to it as well.
1: Yeah, the spiciness in a sort of gingery way, like a ginger wine sort of way. Mm. But obviously, this is more of an orange sort of... I mean, orange is the flavor of lark. We've already mentioned it. Why not lean into it? Yeah. Okay, I have a, I have a conspiracy theory. Oh, here we go.
0: We caused the Canotto cask.
1: Because we've been promoting that. <laughs>
0: yeah, because we've always talked about lark... Like, having a, a really strong orange profile. Mm. And maybe Chris Thompson is like, you know what? Those guys from Whiskey Waffle are right. We do have an orange profile. <laughs> and damn it, I'm going to pump that up to the max.
1: Yeah, I, I love your theory, Ted. I love your theory. There's only one flaw. Uh, Bill Lark was the one that mentioned the oranges to us. Or maybe even uh, Mark Nicholson.
0: Did they? Or did we <laughs> say it to them? All right, shall we, shall we try it? We should try it. Is it really whiskey? I don't know if it's something caused by the addition of the canotto, but I don't think the spirit structure is very good in that. I think that it, it comes across the front of the palate really flat and watery, actually. You reckon it's a bit flabby? Yeah, it, it's flabby. And then at the end of it, you get this really like quite intense burst of um, citrusy, spicy sort of flavour that... Um, yeah, it goes back to those like the biscuits and the, yeah.
1: the And you know what it is, Ted? It's because this is a liqueur. <laughs> yeah. Um, not like a sweet liqueur, but yeah. Calling it a whiskey is is a stretch. And this is coming from me who doesn't hate it. I actually mm. like some of the flavours there. Spice biscuit, spice cake. But it doesn't drink like a whiskey. You're right. The structure is not there. You have to Isn't adjust that fascinating?
0: your you have to adjust your set. Yes. Yeah. It
1: doesn't finish right. doesn't... I don't think it starts right. Mm. Does it taste like it's three-quarters of the of a cocktail? It's got the Angostura bitters already added in.
0: Yeah. Um, if I think about this as a liqueur, as a base for a cocktail or something, mm.
1: it, it makes a lot more sense. Well, what I had the other night is I um, got together with my brother-in-law, Paul... Um, we pulled out. Um, <laughs> where's trade, this Trade, trade carefully. <laughs> and why wasn't I invited? <laughs> um, we decided to make some old fashions, um, and we brought out his uh, just like a shivers eighteen year old, which mm-hmm. I thought was a quite a good cocktail, whiskey. But what we had was orange bitters. Yeah, and I was adding just the orange bitters to a lark is exactly what this tastes like, mm. which is not a very um out there statement for something that. Claims to taste like bitter orange. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Adding yeah. orange bitters makes it taste like bitter orange. <laughs> My God! My mind blown. <laughs> All right, then. I'm really, really curious to try this next one. All right. So we're slowly creeping up. The Classic Cast was 43. The Kanato or the Rebellion, I should say, is 44. And now this next one is 46. Now, ah, magic number. I want to also mention that we have thoroughly palate cleansed, Ted and I, since... Um, the Rebellion, which... Yes, we palate cleanse together, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But, it's time to talk about the third whiskey in this core range, and I I suppose the last one in this entry level, the the fourth one, which we'll try is a slightly more expensive one, but Mm. yeah, this one here is at the same price as the previous two, which I'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Because this is called the Tasmanian Peated. (laughs) So, we've talked about uh, Lark using Tasmanian Highland peat, and yep. this says lightly smoked with 100% Central Highlands peat. Which what I've interpreted that to mean is that 100% of the peat they use in this whiskey is Highland Tasmanian peat, as opposed to all their other whiskies they've ever made, which have used also 100% a Tasmanian. Peat. Yeah, they've never used Scottish peat, but um, yes, but they they're really leaning into it in the promotion. I wonder if they've peated this with that
0: during a malting. Or if it's still that post smoke, you know, I really don't think they have. No, they don't- I don't think they have either. Just just going by going by the smell, this is not an Isla dram.
1: No, no, not even. It's not. In the it's size. not
0: even a Scottish Highlands dram.
1: No, and this is a thing. Marketing it this way as many Peter is probably going to lead to a lot of false expectations. Mm. Or is it? I don't know. We haven't uh, investigated it thoroughly enough.
0: On the nose, I think the peat translates to character and depth and certain
1: sort of uh, savoriness I suppose yeah it's just got this sort of um slightly uh, grassier yeah
0: I mean character. I think it gives me some hazelnuts in there maybe but yeah it's it's definitely not it doesn't sort of sit up and hit me in the face with peat no 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 how about um, we try it
1: yeah how about we try it
0: oh my
1: god there is the peat wow it's
0: all... Ted. Oh no! Wait, no. <laughs> yeah. I was I was too busy uh, I was too busy yucking
1: about and actually forgot to taste it properly. <laughs> yeah. Ted's being facetious over there, but I'm actually really curious to know what you think about it. Mm. I like it. I'm going to go and say this is the best one of the three, mm. um, which is maybe not a huge claim, but I just like the balance.
0: I think it overrides the oranginess of it a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't think lark straight away. I think this is darker, drier. But-
0: I think it, yeah, it pumps up a bit of the saltiness. Mm, salty, yeah, that's exactly where I was going. That's pumps, what I'm trying to say. Pumps up a bit of the earthiness. You know what? This makes me think, and I might be completely wrong on the mixture here, but the flavour profile makes me think a bit of uh, like bourbon barrel structure. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think it's that slight sharp saltiness and a bit of caramel in I there. I think
1: it's yeah, it's taken the fruit away and leaned yeah. into that salted caramel. I've, it makes me think this is made for whiskey mm. fans, whereas the the Rebellion, I was going to say Canote, the Rebellion is very much for bartenders, for like funky, mm. fun, new new age sort of drinkers, whereas this is more leaning into the sort of thing that we're curious about.
0: Yeah, it's that saltiness sort of hits high and curves across the back of the palate, hits across sort of mid to back, back tongue, and it's quite prominent on the finish.
1: I like that. Isn't that interesting? Mm. This is why they have multiple core uh, ranges, because one of them is going to appeal to you. Like, you might not like all three, but you'll like one of them. That is the third out of four of the Lark Signature range. Time for the final one, which is not a new one, and a bunch of our listeners will have tried this before, but they've sort of rebranded, and this is now part of, I suppose, yeah, once upon a time, you could think Symphony Classic Cask Strength. So, what percentage is cask strength, Teddy Boy? This cask strength is ninety-eight point five percent. Is that even allowed in America? It's not. No,
0: no, in Tasmania it's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. No rules here,
1: <laughs> cowboy country. Yeah.
0: Oh no, sorry, sorry. Let me. Um, no, I was I was wrong on that. Fifty-eight uh, percent. Does that does that sound more reasonable?
1: That sounds much more reasonable. Fifty-eight percent.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's like the 43, but it's got a much bigger, oilier hit on the nose. Mm. It's The, the flavours are just sort of jump off the page a lot more, to completely mix my metaphors. Mm. Yeah, it, it just sits up and really rams
1: it up your nostrils. I'm prepared to say that despite the classic cast being called classic, this is the most classic lark, at least on the nose that I've had.
0: There is perhaps a slight bit of sharpness to it a bit of medicine Uh, it's uh, not even that it's it's more just sort of alcohol burn but not not unpleasantly so
1: yeah i don't smell
0: it and go oh god that's your
1: nostril hairs your nostril hairs need to cut anyway
0: oh i commented uh to my other (laughs) half this morning that um the nostril hairs just seem to be getting longer and longer these days
1: (laughs) ted this is why you grow a beard. Or at least grow a moustache because the nostril hairs then blend in with (laughs) the facial hairs. So
0: that's it. I don't actually have a moustache. It's just my (laughs) nostril hairs that are like teased out to quite long lengths.
1: Yeah, no, you're right though. There is a bit more booze than perhaps Mm. I'd want to find. Boozy,
0: boozy. That's a Mm. good word for it. Actually, it makes. I was just thinking. It makes me think of like a um, boozy Christmas cake mixture.
1: Mm. Yep. Of course, that's uh a. Brandy or something in that, but um, yeah. But it's got that. This is a fortified whiskey. This is you take the classic cask and then you add brandy. You fortify it. Yeah. <laughs> Continues down the the line that you are talking about with those um, Christmas pudding flavors.
0: Mm. It's got a nice um, sparkly burn across the. Uh, well, It's actually not even across the back of the palate. I'm getting I, that across quite the across the front. Yeah, yeah my across saying. the front of my tongue, so yeah. mid mid tongue to the to the fore, Absolutely to the tip. Right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just the tip just the tip well Ted we've tried all four it's a nice set and it's a nice thing to own the 100ml bottles don't last for a long time and I'm going to say they're not going to last for a lot longer either because Ted and I have decided that you tasting panellists out there are going to receive a dram of each yeah it would be interesting to see what you guys think yeah well I kind of like you to rank them Ted okay well solid uh,
0: a solid four like four being the bottom is the rebellion yep I don't think that's really whiskey, mm-hmm. sort of. Coming at number three would be the Classic Cask for me. Then, ah, it's a real toss-up. Um, I think almost in number two is the Cask Strength. I think it's the Classic Cask Plus. Mm. And, yeah, I I feel like my I'm leaning towards the Peated as my number one, but then I kind of need to try it again just yeah. against the Cask Strength to make sure I'm sort of on the right lane with it.
1: Yeah. Well, there is absolutely no reason for me to go through my ranking because it's exactly the same for the exactly the same reasons. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of a bit lame for you guys out there that want us, you wanted a champion for the rebellion perhaps, um, but uh, you will not find it in us. Um, but the thing that, yeah, really impressed me the most was what I thought about the, the Peters. So Or the Tasmanian pitted, as I should say. So, yeah, really curious. But there's one more thing I need to bring in. And this is a completely separate factor. Like, trying them next to each other is one thing. But would you buy one? When you consider what the price is... Nick, you have to talk about the price! Yes, I need to talk about the price. Thanks for reminding me, Ted. No worries. So, previously, the Lark Classic Cask has been about, what, 170 180 mm. But before that, it was and about... And qualify one, there
0: for a 500ml bottle. We 500 have to bottle, make yep. that clear.
1: Before that, when we started buying it back in the day, it was maybe like a one hundred and twenty. It was definitely the entry level, and we had Mm. the distillers, which was maybe a bit more. In fact, the classic was probably a bit less. It was close to 100, probably, but Mm. we've seen it going up after time, and it was about maybe 160, 170, 180. Do you know how much a 500ml bottle of the classic cast costs these days? $1. (laughs) Slightly higher, um, but it's a nice round number $1.75. That's not round. No. (laughs) Um, So it costs you now $200 to buy a. Okay. Bottle of Lark okay. classic cask, and the same price is for the rebellion, and the same price is for the peated, and the cask strength is 250, mm-hmm. and that's gone up as well. So yeah, 200, 200, 200, and 250 for these whiskies, which you and I buy a lot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. That's not the cheapest. If you're going to charge 200 or more, like I think 200 is the threshold. Mm. If it's going to be 200 or more, then it has to be something special. If it's going to be a 500ml bottle. And Hart would have earned that, right? Yep. Like tip are nowhere near asking that much, and yet you and I would probably, you know, oh, naturally agree that they're better. Uh, but, Tim, um, Tim, Tim just sort of says, uh, Here,
0: "Here's a new, here's a new tip," and I go, "Yes, please."
1: <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's leave that out for a moment. But mm. um, the only reason that I would spend more than two hundred dollars on a five hundred ml bottle is Well, Okay, there's two reasons. One, the reputation from a lot of other stuff in terms of its quality have built up sufficiently or two it's a brand new release I really want to give it a go I want to jump on this train while it's early Mm. Um, you're probably more prone to the latter than I (laughs) (laughs)
0: listeners Mm. what aspersions is he casting (laughs) you you guys have never known me to just go buy a
1: bottle because it looks pretty but when you have as bigger stock holding as lark distilling Mm. you don't need to charge that much unless you are marketing yourself as the premium as the dog's bollocks which they are yes they are
0: and this they is something are marketing themselves this is something that we've known about uh, the yes. the house and this is where we have to be really clear on the, mm. the house of Lark to give them their mm. posh status yes they are aiming to be the i think
1: to quote them the penfolds of Uh, Australian whiskey. So they are the dog's bollocks of Australian whiskey. So therefore, their product has to match their their self-proclaimed reputation. Mm. And that's where this whole thing starts to fall down for me.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, do you... (sighs) Do you feel that like is the penfolds of Australian whiskey? Where
1: do I feel that they are or do I feel that they're trying to be? Because well, I, I definitely feel be- the latter. Yeah. But the thing is, well, I don't think there is like if it's not Lark, then who is it? Well what I was gonna say is
0: what what does that make Sullivan's Cove then? Who who uh. get ridiculous prices? But I mean, are they is Sullivan's Cove like getting in bottle of bottle of um Chateau de Chem from Mm, France and it's it's just got such like a... Yeah, it's
1: rare enough now. Yeah.
0: Rare enough and just real cult cult status.
1: The thing is like I can vaguely accept that someone like Matt Cooper who makes Fanny's Bay can charge the same price for his own bottles as these guys are doing for this one. Mm. But he literally makes... Tiny yeah. quantities. An eyedropper compared to their whole bottle like a year. Like, he mm. just does a tiny, tiny amount. It's all single cask. It's all stuff that's made in his back shed. Um, you don't have to like it. It doesn't matter because he only makes about 20 or 30 bottles per release or 30 mm. or 40. So, it's, yeah, it's a very different business model. Whereas Lark, they're doing the mass-produced business model and yet they're charging a premium price for it. So, therefore, surely they have to be good to justify that. And these are good. Yeah. But are they great? Are they great? Yes. Mm. And that is the conversation that we... I don't know if we'll resolve it right now. I don't think we will resolve it right now. I think we'll throw it over to you guys. Yeah. What
0: do you think of Lark's dog bollocks? <laughs> are they weighty enough?
1: <laughs> I, I i get what they're trying to achieve, and I get they're in the best position to achieve it out of anyone. But well, are they good enough?
0: Yeah. Um. Here's an interesting question. Who buys Lark? Wow, I mean, a lot, very interesting question. I
1: suppose a lot of people must, but... I think there's a lot of collectors and a lot of rich people that, that just continue to buy it. But, like, for example, they bring out these para casks. They're like yeah, $500 just, a bottle. I was
0: just thinking of those. Who are, buys that? Are we well, on the wrong end of this? But maybe, maybe th- this is a good point, that they have their para casks and things like that. Why are their base releases at this price point
1: because their their special releases are like really really expensive so therefore their base releases are just merely expensive mm. it's all relative but bloody hell like for you and I like you, you and I quite like that pitted expression mm. are you rushing out to buy a 500 ml bottle no 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 mind. I'm not
0: and there's there's other pitted expressions of other things that I will and I also out to buy I'll first. also
1: throw it out there just for our listeners in the point of fairness Ted has bought a lot of worse bottles um, for more than $200. How rude. Than the the, the Tasmania one. But the thing is, he didn't know that when he tried it. Yeah. He bought them because there was an interest. It was something that was like... Because they had sparkly packaging yeah. and I am a magpie. Yeah. It was just like, you know, this is fascinating. This is interesting. I want to buy it. Mm. And like, I get that. You can jump on that train. You can find out about it. And therefore, sometimes it doesn't work out. And you're not going to spend that same amount of money again. But Lark, that's not, they're not just a rare occasional Tassie release. They're like a time and time again thing. So I think the Tasmania Peter is actually quite a reliable Mm. whiskey. But am I going to buy it over, you know, the latest Mm. um, Hinton's Bay Chardonnay cask excitement? Probably not. Like, Mm. yeah, it's just, mm. it's good, but it's not good enough. And that seems unfair. But when you're going to... When you're going to be this point mm. in the industry, I think it is fair, and that's and where I'm at. It's a big it's a much, much bigger pond these days. It's a much bigger pond, and yeah, you've either got to be unique, very <laughs> unique, <Fuck off>. <laughs> <laughs> right. or you've got to be reliably good, like Tim Duckett makes, like Hartwood, like Tib. Yeah, but Tib, yeah, Tim, Tim is sort of like a a a master artist. Mm. Yeah, he is an exception. You're not going to be able to achieve that. But I think he can justify what he charges. Yeah. Whereas, um, for example, Launceston Distillery, they only charge about $160 for a 500 bottle. And
0: we had just, uh, as a starter dram the other day, a uh, Lonnie bourbon cask.
1: And it was good. It's good. and it was the Lonnie, solid. And the Lonnie pork cask is mm. really, really solid. So, But they're charging in that sort of 150 160 range. Mm. And I think they can really justify that. And I'd probably pick that over any of these four whiskies we've tried. Sadly. Sadly. <sighs> but also happily for Launceston, but sadly for Lark. Mm. I feel like,
0: thinking about it, I feel like we've been on this trajectory with Lark for a few years now.
1: I feel like we're not the only ones. Mm. It, it's not just the whiskey itself. There's a few
0: other things with it as well. It's like when we went into the Lark Cellar Door um, oh.
1: recently. Oh, but see, your your reaction right that there. so disappointing.
0: Right there, Mm. that that's an important thing. Not what it used to be. Not what it used to be. We we used to love going to the Lark Cellar. It was a really vibrant, one of the best whiskey bars in Hobart. Heaps of different drams, like not just Lark. There was all sorts of different things. People massive wall of Scottish stuff. And look, sorry, every
1: Tasmanian whiskey on the.
0: No disrespect. There are still really cool people in there, but it's just it's just wall to wall Lark. It's all they serve. It's 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 sort of gone pastel mm. and then we went we went to their um the still
1: the still the, uh, their posh tasting They had their, like, their posh bar they probably had like maybe two dozen bottles that were not like there mm. but basically the whole menu was just this like that like this like and we tried a few rare ones and like you know it's cool we've tried them but the, what the we experience to, still yeah. felt a bit just left me feeling a bit empty
0: mm. part of me wants to really like like whiskey and like what they're doing but
1: another part of me goes this this doesn't sort of tweak my nipples enough so the for me like i'm prepared to let go all the the commercialism Mm. the price the uh, i guess the cynicism that is built up i'm prepared to let all that go if they produce a whiskey that i can really love
0: stonkingly good whiskey at a Okay price. Mm.
1: Well, I I don't even care about the price if they produce a stonkingly good whiskey, the way that I used to froth at their mouth about Lark whiskey. Mm. But the problem is they're not making that whiskey anymore. Maybe some of their single cask ones that I never get to try. Yeah. Or maybe some of those Paras like that are bloody $500 or more, like $1,000, some of them. But I never get to try that. All I'm trying is decent whiskies for an mm. exorbitant price. yeah. It's, it's Decent whiskeys for a decent price, good Exorbitant whiskeys for an exorbitant price, also good But you've got to have both You've got to have it on par mm. And they're just not doing it Well, well That's
0: been a disappointing well, dis,
1: dis, dis, Dispiriting Listeners, listeners Is this what you thought we would be saying? We've always been Well, we've always tried to be quite balanced But I think we've really come down pretty hard this time around Yeah I think we've come down pretty hard
0: we like we like to see ourselves in general as champions of the Tasmanian whiskey scene, but sometimes we also have to say it like we see it. Mm. With whiskey waffle has always been fiercely independent, and yep.
1: yeah, and so and we do we do sometimes we are sometimes nice about things, but yeah, yeah, we're we're regularly nice about things, but um, and sometimes we're probably overly nice about things, but mm. like mm, you've got to speak from the heart, and I think the heart has spoken. Yeah. The heart has spake. Like, come
0: back to us. Grab us by the balls and make us sit up again and listen. It's Pass us by. Yeah.
1: It's not for us anymore. It's for the people who can afford the penfolds. Mm. It's the penfolds of Tasmania whiskey. They've done it. They have done it.
0: Now, see, I haven't tried the Canotto before. The... I I, I, think, I think we
1: tried it when we were very drunk at the Lark Whiskey Bar, oh maybe we
0: did. Let let me let me go back on that. I may have tried the Canoto <laughs> before, but I don't really remember it. No, no. The whiskey Right. Let us talk about a review whiskey.
1: Yes, so now for something completely different. We've been talking now for about something Tasmania complete- whiskey and uh, our thoughts on the Tassie whiskey scene. So is this a Tasmania whiskey? Not in the slightest. <laughs> so the reason
0: that this whiskey came up as our reviewer, mm. I was re-watching John Wick 1 and 2 the other night, plus 3, but it didn't actually appear in uh, John Wick 3 as far as I saw. Oh, I was re- so there's a whiskey in the first there's two. There's a whiskey in the first two. I was, re- I was re-watching John Wick 1 and 2 in preparation for John Wick 4, which is out right now. Have you seen it? No, not yet, um, but it's, it's... So
1: you don't know if this whiskey appears in the fourth one? Don't know right? if it appears in the fourth one. Um, I um, I should've, all should've... those viewers out there who are about to go and see John Wick 4, look out for yeah. this whiskey that we're about to talk about. It
0: may be there. Mm. Although I feel like uh, recently he's been, been spending a lot more time just running around shooting people and trying not to get shot. All right, so he's drink
1: more whiskey. Yeah, whereas in
0: the first two he had a little bit more time to sit down and have a dram. Mm. Um, anyway, so John Wick... As it turns out, likes a dram of Blanton's. 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 So not like Blanton's when he's shooting
1: down everyone. No no, bl- 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 no, no, Blanton's. No, no, Blanton's. For our listeners out there, is there a way that they might recognise what Blanton's is? Yeah,
0: well, see, Blanton's is something that I've seen around for a few years. And so when I, when I picked this up at Uncle Dan's recently, I, I recognised it and thought, yeah, it's about time I tried that. And then I, tonight, researching it, I've gone down a complete rabbit hole with it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's 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 a, there was a lot more to it than I originally thought when I picked up the bottle. But on the on the bottle, it's kind of this faceted round sort of orbi- it round? orbish orbish bottle. It's the it's only, kind of looks like, like a golf ball.
1: The only round, yeah. So maybe a dimple, but also maybe a nah
0: dimples. Dimples got like a, a three sided. But maybe yeah. Glen Rothers. Yeah, Glen Rothers is possibly a... But uh, a, there
1: is one more distinctive feature that I think needs mentioning.
0: It's got a horsey on the top. It's the one with the horse on the top, people. It's the one with the horse on it's the, the top. the
1: one with the horse on the top.
0: Okay, so Blanton's. Let me t- let me tell you about Blanton's because it, it was like a lot more fascinating than I initially anticipated.
1: Right. So just, just before we before we go into the minute level of detail that you're about to start, can we just put it out there for all our listeners, Blanton's is a bourbon.
0: Yes, we should
1: say that. Blanton's is a
0: bourbon, it's from America, it's yes. from
1: Kentucky specifically.
0: Yes. Now, so it's a it, proper bourbon. Even, even more specifically than being from Kentucky, it is from a town
1: called Frankfurt, does, does Frankfurt mean anything to you? Uh, yes, There was a highway on the north. To <laughs> yeah, Frank, the,
0: Frank, the Frankfurt oh, yeah, Highway. Frankfurt. No, this is Frankfurt. Oh, yeah, sorry,
1: so, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a type of sausage from Germany.
0: <laughs> no, not Frankfurt. <laughs> okay. No, no, Frankfurt. Now, that didn't mean anything to me but as well, but some, some people might know what distillery is actually based in Frankfurt, and it's not technically Blanton, sort of. So... The distillery that this is actually made at is Buffalo Trace. Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and one, so, of, one of the greats.
0: Yeah, it is one of the greats, and it's it's got it's got a really sort of interesting, varied history. Now, you know how last episode we were we we're talking Irish whiskey, yeah, and we were uh, we were talking about Middleton Distillery. Mm-hmm. Now, what's one of the things about Middleton Distillery? Well, they make a bunch of whiskeys for a bunch of different brands. Exactly. Buffalo Trace is exactly the same. Oh, um, so
1: they make stuff for other people. Yeah, they do. Including they, Blantons. Yeah. So Buffalo Trace is
0: actually owned by these days owned by a company called Sazerac. You may have
1: yeah, heard yeah, of.
0: there's of a riot. I, I feel like I feel like um at some time we actually even more than I'm about to now, we need to get in properly into the history of Buffalo Trace. Hmm. Because it's really interesting. And there's a lot to do with Sazerac in there, there's a lot to do with like it's, it's this whole crazy array of names and brands and like wow. i i spent i spent quite a bit of time this afternoon reading through like i got my at my um 1001 whiskeys that you have to try before you die whatever yeah. it's called um which i and think 900
1: of them were yeah and i think right? that
0: version was from uh, mid mid uh 20 2010s like in 2014 or something yeah. so a lot of the information was out of date but i went through the I started off at Blanton's and then went, oh, that's interesting. And then jumped over to Buffalo Trace and then went through the whole section on bourbon and was like going like, looking at which whiskeys had Buffalo Trace as their origin distillery and mm. going, and like, oh my God, there's so many different uh, names. But I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a quick rundown of the different brands that have made it Buffalo Trace. So in quick, in quick order, so including Buffalo Trace and Blanton's, which we know about, you've got. Colonel E.H. Taylor, Eagle Rare, George T. Stagg, Stagg Jr., McCaffey's Benchmark, OFC, Old Charter, Old Charter Oak, Old Taylor, Peixod's Bitters, which is not whiskey. That's actually something to do with Sazerac, which we should talk about sometime. There's Sazerac, Thomas H. Handy, W.L. Weller. And then there is also a couple of stables of brands that Buffalo, Trace, and Sazerac don't own, but they have the exclusive production rights for. Anyway... So, Blanton's itself is actually relatively recent. So Blanton's was started in nineteen eighty four under the guidance of then master distiller Elmer T. Lee. So Elmer the, Fudd, yeah, Elmer Fudd. So the actual the actual Blanton's brand gets its name from a one Albert Bacon Blanton,
1: who Bacon Blanton,
0: yep, Albert Bacon Blanton. <laughs> Who had um, was that a tasting that?
1: Who had, that had
0: run? Who had, who was basically had run an earlier version of um, Buffalo Trace. So it was um, it was either Old Founder's Copper or Old Fire Copper. But I found differing opinions on what the name was. But he was there for around thirty odd years in the late eighteenth, early, ni- uh, early late nineteenth, early twentieth century. Sorry, um, he basically started as an office boy in the company and worked his way up to president. Uh, of the company at the same time as the the distillery was named renamed as the George T. Stagg Distillery.
1: Ah, oh, which yeah, is okay. another which is another, another bourbon. Brand. But yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, there's there's so many different names here. We've we've discussed this before in terms of um Scottish whiskey, but like Scotch had this big dip in the like in the 80s. Mm. American whiskey had the same thing. Americans were drinking about half as much whiskey in the 80s as they were in the 60s. Mm. You know who saved them? Jim Beam. <laughs> okay, intro, intro, okay, so almost. Take that further. Who is Jim Beam Beam connected to these days?
1: Uh Suntory.
0: Yes, and who is Suntory owned by? Um, Coca-Cola. Well, yeah, Coca-Cola. But who, who who who
1: which which
0: country is Suntory connected Beam, uh, to? Japan. Yes. In in the 80s, young Japanese drinkers were looking for a break from their fuddy duddy old uh, elders and they, for some reason, got into bourbon as a thing, and they wanted, like... Really?
1: Yeah, it, and they wanted... They didn't just want... Did sort don't of, tell me that Japan saved the American whiskey scene.
0: It, it played a role. I don't know yeah. if it was entirely responsible for it, but it certainly played a role. And they didn't just... Like, the Japanese being the Japanese, they didn't just want common garden variety. But,
1: no, they want the bonus tracks.
0: Yeah, they want the bonus. They wanted interesting age things. And so, Blanton's was actually... Was created for the Japanese um, market. Japanese
1: bonus track was Blanton's.
0: Yeah, they, they released into Japan, but they also released into America as well um, at the same time. So it sort of had an an American present presence, but it was it was partly created to appeal to the to the Japanese drinkers. And the really interesting thing about it, which we we discovered the other night when we when I brought it along here and we tried it, was that. It was the first single barrel bourbon to be released.
1: The first one, like the, the, I know
0: that. Yeah, you mentioned this is yeah, so a single they, barrel, but they, they created single barrel bourbon as a category, what? and it was basically to emulate like Scotch whiskies, right? Like single barrel Scotch yeah, whisk yeah. Scotch whiskies. Yeah, and and so Elmer, what was his name? Elmer Fudd. T. Lee, Elmer Fudd. Yeah, came came up with this. I, well, I don't know if it was him, but yeah, let's say he came up with this con- concept. Now all Blantons because Buffalo Trace must or George T Stagg as it wasn't that whatever it was it's had so many names um must be a huge site but apparently Elmer Elmer Fudd was a was an acolyte a, he he trained under Blanton when Blanton was in charge of the distillery and he remembered that Blanton always said that the best whiskeys on the site came from warehouse H yeah yeah which I, I saw just as a random side fact that Warehouse H is the only metal-clad brick house on the site. I don't know what the rest are clad in, but that must have some make some difference. Yeah. Straw or sticks? Yeah, uh, brick. <laughs> That's where all the Blanton's whiskey comes from. Is Warehouse H? Right. Now they're all um, aged for six to eight years.
1: That's uh, quite a lot for Bevan.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a reasonable age. So this this bottle comes from barrel number 3251. Ah, that's a good one, that one. That is a good, but this is the thing. This is the first one we've had. We yeah. have no idea that... When I, when I saw it in Uncle Dan's the other day, I looked at a couple of different bottles and when I first noticed that it seemed to be a single barrel thing, and yeah, they were all from the um, from the same barrel number, Yeah. but mm-hmm. they had different bottle numbers, yeah. I think. So my but, bottle is number 56 from this. Yeah. It's from obviously from warehouse number H yeah but which section uh, warehouse uh,
1: letter H from Rick 9 good Rick yeah well this is it like people might actually out there the, yeah the yeah Blatton's fans like Rick 9 oh that's not the yeah. best one like Rick 7 oh that's yeah. where it's at
0: one other thing before we have a try that I want to point <laughs> out <laughs> is that very appropriately for this time of year there is an easter egg a- with the a hidden little uh, cheeky factoid so apparently there are Eight the the little the little horseman on the top
1: yeah the most significant thing about the packaging yeah
0: there are eight different versions of it really which when you put them side to side the the little man in his various poses will spell out the word Blanton's what and apparently what? apparently the modelling is is um is designed to look like a horse race from start to finish so from when he starts at the gates through the horse race and so this so ca- what so what letter have you got ca- can you can you tell what it is um. No. Nah. It actually, I think that's what... It's just on his, the horse's rear hoof underneath there. It's got a, uh, a little coin there, I suppose. So this one, I think, is an S. It, say, it says S there. So and this then, is him
1: crossing the finish line. Yeah,
0: and it's him crossing the finish line. He's got his hand hand up sort of curved over, or his arm curved over up above his Dude, head at the top.
1: This is this is dangerous stuff for you to find out, because I can see you going out and <laughs> buying seven more bottles of Blandons right now.
0: That's it. Need, need need the whole set. So yeah, that that was just a really cool little thing that apparently you can get.
1: Well, you definitely have to buy at least one more to compare. I know. And as soon as you've got one more, you're like, well, this is the L, now I need to find Right, let's let's try this damn thing before I waffle on more. But I pretty much finished mine. But um, so we're gonna talk tasty notes now. We're gonna talk tasty notes. All right, it- I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, Tea Trout, are you ready for this? It smells like, like bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. Let's uh let's dig deeper though because I I feel like after all that Blanton's is owed more than just a simple tasting note.
0: Well, let's let's dig even deeper. So what what's something that when we're talking about the making of bourbon. That we talk about, that we don't really talk about when we're
1: talking about single malts, like virginate casks, mm,
0: no, there's mash the casks. mash bills. Now, Buffalo Trace is really interesting. They have multiple mash bills, and yeah, they tw-
1: twelve different styles or something. They, they keep and they, it, have they keep a, a it really acronym as to which ones
0: which. I think I think you're thinking of Four Roses. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of Four Roses. But yeah, you're absolutely a, right. Buffalo Trace is similar. So Buffalo Trace actually has. Two primary mash bills, which are appropriately called number one and number two, okay. plus two specific mash bills, right. which is a wheated and a rye. Right. So, what, what's this? Tell me. Okay. I must know. Well, right. So, number one is a low rye, which is 10% rye or less. Mm-hmm. And that's used for your buffalo trace and your eagle rares and uh, like a bunch of other things. That's that's kind of the, like their, their basic mash bill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number two is what this is. Mm. So number two is a high rye. High rye. Which is 12 to 15% and it's used for all the Age International releases. Mm. You also get a, what's called the rye mash bill, which is actually a 50% rye, 50% corn, roughly.
1: Yeah, blimey. That's That's, 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 not this.
0: Which is used for something like the Sazerac rye. Yeah. And also one that you may have May have heard of, or a similar thing to something you may have heard of, called the Van Winkle family reserve. Ah. But that's very unusual, actually. Is it? Because the wheat mash bill is what is actually used for all your Pappy Van Winkles. Right, so and all those ones which are also made at well, Buffalo Trace. That's,
1: yeah, that's why they're so smooth then.
0: Yeah. And they are, have no rye in them at all. Mm. And they're like totally like completely wheat plus the base of corn yeah. on there as well. And so Van Winkles is something we should talk about another time as well. But yeah, so this this is their rye their mash bill number two, which is the twelve to fifteen percent rye in yep. there.
1: Okay, on the nose. All right, so right, we're going to talk about what this was. Yeah, okay. Um, bourbon. Ap- apart from bourbon, yeah. bourbon, bourbon. Uh, heavy sort of cherry ripe influence yep. there, which is about as boring a tasting note as I can <laughs> give for a bourbon. Sorry, I haven't said vanilla yet. A lot of
0: a lot of honey. It's got it's got really big, nice, sweet notes, but I don't think it's
1: overpowering. Overpoweringly so. It's no, it, it is sweet, but it's. It's it's pleasingly so. Like nothing's cloying, nothing's mm. overdone. The balance is is okay. Yeah, it's 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 thick and punchy,
0: and really really hits hits up the nose nicely. Forty six point five percent. I think that does it well. Yeah, definitely smells like bourbon, but it it smells like a really nice bourbon.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's nothing there in the palate to encourage to to investigate.
0: Yeah, that palate has that hot spiciness of bourbon. Yeah. It really it really hits and sparkles across the back.
1: Mm. So just remind me, low rye or
0: high rye? High rye. Yeah. So 12 to 15%. So that's I think that's where you get a lot of that spice
1: from. Yeah. But I think it's it's had enough age to really um temper down that spice. Like there's spice there, but it doesn't get out of control. Mm.
0: The interesting thing is that we we will probably never have yeah, uh, barrel number three two five one again.
1: And nor will you, gentle listener, those um, patrons of ours that are going to receive this in the mail. This is probably the only time you will try this particular blend. Like, there will be similar ones, and you know why? Because it's bourbon; they all taste the same. <laughs> but, but more specifically, like they're they're doing it to a certain mash build or a certain blend. So therefore, they will produce similar results, but never the same. And that's what makes it really interesting.
0: There you go. As as I said, I started off just sort of thinking, "Oh yeah, this is this is interesting." Like, "Oh yeah, um, single barrel release." That's we didn't know that about it before. That's curious. And then suddenly, I went spiraled down this whole big yeah. uh, rabbit hole.
1: Well, in that case, Ted, all it becomes is how this compares to every whiskey we've ever drunk in our lives, with a simple five point scale, which obviously means everything. But to most people, including ourselves, means nothing. <laughs> we need to give it a number out of five. I'm going to assume it's not a one-star or a five-star whiskey. Great. So the rest is up to us.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's a bourbon four, mm-hmm. but a whiskey three.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I do enjoy this whiskey very much. But there's just a part of me that is not excited enough to give it four stars. Mm. I, think it's a, I think it's a good three, but it's still three.
0: As bourbons go, I find it delicious. I've yeah. I've actually been finding myself drawn a bit to bourbons lately, but they all still do taste like bourbon. Well, we're just gonna have to get the B L A N T O. Oh, there's two ends. Yeah.
1: How does that work?
0: Is it is it um? Oh, how's the jingle go? Your your dad picks
1: the fruit. Um, oh yeah. They, the, the Cotty's, yeah. Cotty's jingle oh, I can't remember it well enough to That I like best is yeah. how it finishes My dad, my dad makes my... The... That I, I like, like best, best. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. There's a, oh, a generation above us that listen to podcasts Just screaming at us like You guys <laughs> you uh, Stuffed man. up the Cotty's jingle jingle <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this particular episode, Ted. How are you feeling over there? Yeah, good. You're glaring at me though. oh uh, yeah, I'm glaring at you for all the um, the the waffle that's gone in. But you know, if I was to glare at someone for waffling, then I would not be a true waffler. Yeah. No, it's been a good episode. Um, yeah. what I really want to know, Ted, is your bottom still comfortable? <laughs> oh, my bottle,
0: my bottle, my my bottom is well cushioned.
1: Yeah, you're not leaving there for a long time, are you? No. No, good stuff. Um well I just yeah, I think we need feedback from this episode. There's mm. been some um yeah, controvert I don't think they're controversial either. I just think we've we've said what the people are thinking. Yeah. Mm. We've we've spoken truths here. Yeah. So we're we'll just yeah, see if anyone wants to ride this ride this wave and, and join us. So
0: do you agree with us? Let us yes, know. Yes, that
1: is the most important thing.
0: You can hit us up on our Patreon. Uh, You can hit us up on social medias, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram's a good one. Yep. We're uh, tooling around those places quite often. Um, Yeah, so we've spoken quite in depth about a Tasmanian whiskey this episode. We've also, I I, um, distressed Nick by getting very enthusiastic about our review whiskey this week um,
1: and talking lots about it. Um, Just in case anyone out there was interested in every single detail about Blanton's that's ever been a Yep. researched um, Whiskey Waffle has done it yeah man yeah um, and now you can go and watch John Wick safe the <laughs> Yeah, that, 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 that,
0: that was that was the whole point of this in the start that was <laughs> because John Wick
1: drinks Blantons so do we so yeah. do we um, the funny thing about um, talking about John Wink John Wink John uh, Wink <laughs> yeah. uh, John Wick is of course uh, Mr. Keanu Reeves um, one of the things that we've always uh, compared ourselves to is uh, Keanu Reeves well, it's essentially right, Ted, because there was an excellent adventure ah yes involved yes. in that man. Um, was he Bill or was he Ted? I think he was Bill. I feel like he was Bill, but someone's probably going to shout at us about that. No, him. I think I think Ted was the uh, the curly haired blonde fella. Yeah. So um, <laughs> who, when who we, no, we came... nobody remembers his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no one remembers the actor's name. So Counter Reeves basically is me. Ted is the curly haired blonde fella that no one remembers the name of, yep. but me. I am John Wick and I am drinking some Blantons. I'm not putting as much thought into it as as Ted with his curly blonde hair, but (laughs) that's right. We will bring back Elijah Craig in our phone booth travel and we will will chat about it with him in our Mm. school assignment. What an excellent adventure. Indeed. Well, farewell, everybody. Give us some feedback because I'm curious. But until then, I just got to say, keep on waffling.
0: Yeah. I was
1: Ted. I was Bill. Yeah. (laughs) for for this episode, you were Bill. I was Bill. Yeah. Keep on waffling, everyone, and good Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers.
0: I don't actually have a moustache, it's just my nostril hairs that are like teased out to quite long lengths.